we'll get there, but Micah chapter 2, verse 6. Prophesy ye not, say they to them that prophesy. They shall not prophesy to them, that they shall not take shame. O thou that art named the house of Jacob, is the spirit of the Lord straightened? Are these his doings? Do not my words do good to him that walketh uprightly? Even of late my people is risen up as an enemy. He pull off the robe with the garment from them that pass by securely, as men averse from war. The women of my people have ye cast out from their pleasant houses. From their children have ye taken away my glory forever. Arise ye and depart, for this is not your rest. Because it is polluted, it shall destroy you, even with a sore destruction. If a man walking in the spirit and falsehood do lie, saying, I will prophesy unto thee of wine and of strong drink, he shall even be the prophet of his people. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for we get to come into your house and read your word and hear from your word. Lord, I ask that you would guide my thoughts and Lord, that I would uh, stick only to uh, the message and the purpose that we have in this passage. Lord, thank you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. So, I, one of the amazing things when you're studying, getting to studying the Bible, you're, you're preaching, but then also you realize, just studying the Bible, you realize the amazing things, one amazing thing about reading the Bible, you might say, is seeing Solomon's statement over and over and over and over and over again, where it says, there is nothing new under the sun. And you see that to be shown true over and over again. You see something that happened in the Bible, and you go, oh, that's happening today. Or that happened five years ago, or ten years ago, or fifty years ago, maybe in history. The same type of thing going on. It's not an old book, the Bible, um, and it has no relevance, relevance to our modern day of cars, radios, televisions, cell phones, um, microwaves, whatever, you, whatever thing you want to put in there. The problems that were present in Micah's day are the same problems we have today in our day. We have the same judge in heaven who has not changed. He has not grown lax in today's age. Just reminding you, with Micah is about 20 messages, it's believed that it's 20 messages that were compiled together, and like if you ever read a book of messages compiled in a certain format, and they're trying to get a point across, they're getting a point across using the messages and putting them in a certain order, by that order, trying to get some point across and some, some meaning or some, uh, trying to help us understand something. Well, it's the same idea here. It's a bunch of different messages that um, either Micah or someone else put together, but they, uh, they are the words of the Micah. They are the words of Micah. So we can we know that. But it's a compilation. And it was a sermon to all the nations to look because God the judge, remember, was coming down to tread upon the high places of Israel and Judah. So the, in Micah, he was saying everyone needs to look on because God is coming down as the judge and he's going to judge Israel and Judah and look on and watch. Because this judgment of Israel and Judah was supposed to be an example. Others were supposed to learn from this. They were supposed to, others who had chosen to worship other gods, who set up high places in their own lands, were supposed to look on and see what God does to those who set up high places or set up things before him. And the judge about this judge of all the earth, God, first showed how he would judge them. But then he went on to tell the people why he would judge them. He goes and says how he's going to judge them. He's going to in there, it talks about um, pouring the stones down into the valley and everything, just the, the mountains being destroyed and all of those different things going on. 
he said he was going to judge him. He showed him it was going to be a horrible, horrible judgment. But then he goes on and says, okay, here's the case. He's laying out the case against Israel and Judah. So he pointed to the fact that their political leaders were taking advantage of their people. That was what we looked at last time in chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. That the political leaders had been every moment they could get. They seemed to be just figuring out ways to hurt the, you might say, the small guy, the little guy, in, in a wrong, wicked manner. Every moment of the day, they could only think of evil and taking and stealing, just like with Ahab, uh, stealing the Nabal's vineyard. That type of idea going on. But here, he moves on. Not just the political leaders were having a problem. They were not the only ones who were bringing oppression on the people. They were not the only ones who were the enemies of the people. So in this next sermon, in verses 6 through 11, Micah, under the inspiration of God, Holy Spirit preached to the people of Judah the next reason God was coming as their judge. He says in verse 6, Prophesy ye not, say they to them that prophesy. They shall not prophesy to them, but they shall not take shame. So the idea there is prophesy not as others prophesy. Prophesy, they're saying, don't prophesy to us like others say. They wanted only good. We, as you look through here, we'll get through there. But they, these people wanted only good words speaking, spoken to them, smooth words. We see in verse 11, they said, uh, If a man walking in the spirit and falsehood do lie, saying, I will prophesy unto thee of wine and of strong drink, he shall even be the prophet of this people. They were wanting ease. They were, wanting, they were thinking, it's the idea in this passage, you see, rest. And uh, if you throw out there, the idea is they wanted rest, but they were. They wanted rest at any cost. They wanted rest and peace, and they wanted prosperity. You might say the prosperity gospel preached to them that health, wealth, and happiness, that's what God wants for you. And that's all. But these prophets, these false prophets, he points out throughout here, all they were doing was confirming them in their sin. Micah was going to deal with the prophets of the land. So we saw he begins by quoting the people. And they wanted these prophets to not prophesy of coming judgment. They wanted these false prophets. They wanted them to be nice and flowery words. Um, they wanted them to say happy words, happy thoughts, right? They were men who had itching ears. They wanted prophets to do just that, to itch their ears, to tickle their ears. <coughs> they had the mantra the same today that we're saying, just be kind, be nice, don't hurt anybody's feelings. Hurting feelings is wrong. It's the 11th commandment, thou shalt not hurt people's feelings. They wanted great prophets to preach easy words. Is what they wanted. They wanted men who would tell them God was not coming to judge. They wanted prophets who would tell them they were Israelites. You see that here. This is, oh, thou that art named the house of Jacob. In here, it's just amazing. Micah is very uh, sarcastic. He loves sarcasm. Um, So that's a good thing. You can use sarcasm. But he says, oh, thou that art named the house of Jacob. Is the spirit of the Lord straightened? So they claimed that they were of the house of Jacob, that they had the name Israel. They bore the name Israel, so they were special. God wanted to touch them. God, God wasn't going to deal hard or harshly with them. Well, sometimes, in mind, for your application a little bit, but, um, we get to the idea of sometimes we say the same thing. We're Americans. We're prosperous. Oh, God will never judge us. 
God's blessed our land. He has. But we are not. God isn't all of a sudden restrained because, oh, sorry, America. We can't, I can't touch America. He, it's, we, we, we hear the same thing today. So it was false then. It still is false today. These are the types of preachers that people wanted. They wanted people to pat them on the back, say, the good old boys. God told them that as a result, some of these prophets, they would quit prophesying. It's not very clear exactly who's the prophesying in verse 6 is talking to. It seems that it's very possibly, it seems more so to the people. They were saying they didn't want to take shame, but there seems to be possibly an aspect of um, the prophets also didn't, there were some prophets who stopped preaching because they would be shamed. And we do see that today. We see some that will, they are concerned about being canceled or being, we all understand what that means today. But these prophets, they didn't preach God's coming judgment, and they made the field, people feel shame. People were hurt, and the people felt, they got their feelings hurt. And as a result, these people were shamed, they were canceled, they were reproached, is the idea. But, so that many would not prophesy this message, so that, so they would not receive shame, so that they would not shame their fellow man, or shame the people that were Give them have reproach upon them, make them feel bad. But in the end, all would be shame because of the prophets, which it comes down to the prophets. We'll see that in a moment. Because of their lack of boldness, they became the enemies of the people. They had digged a pit. Both the people and the prophets who refused to preach the truth, who were false prophets, they had digged a pit and would fall therein. So any who prophesy of God's judgment, any who did speak what God wanted them to speak, would be reproached by the people of God. This would result in the people, the false prophets, they would now be becoming their own worst enemy because they were refusing, and we see throughout here, they're saying, don't prophesy to us. Don't prophesy. Prophesy nice things. We want peace, is the idea throughout here. But in the middle of here, we see... Even of late, my people has risen up as an enemy. You pull off the robe of the garment from them that pass by securely as men averse from war. The women of my people have you cast out from their pleasant houses, from their children have you taken away my glory forever. So this resulted in the people and the false prophets, they became their own worst enemy. They wouldn't submit to God's word. They wouldn't submit to God's prophets who were preaching God's word. And so, in fact, they were really attacking themselves. In Romans 1, we see that same idea where they, God gives them up to their own lusts. He gave them, he gives them over to a reprobate mind. You, you want your sin? Have it. And you're going to be destroyed by it. These degraded people had gone toward their sin and believed their prophets so much they would only want their prophets to preach a gospel of prosperity, a gospel of health, wellness, I mean, your Joel Osteen type gospel of big shiny teeth and God loves you and God wants the best for you, he does, but um, that's all they, they don't, they're unwilling to preach that God is also a judge. And he's coming someday and he will, you will be judged. Whether you believe and trust him and take his word as the final authority or not, So they wanted to keep their wine. They wanted to keep their strong drink. We see that. 
in verse 11. If a man walking in the spirit and falsehood do lie, saying, I will prophesy unto thee of wine and strong meat and drink, he shall even be the prophet of his people. So they wanted that type of person who would just let them enjoy their sin, let them enjoy their happiness, let them enjoy their partying, let them enjoy their ease, that they were Israelites, that they were, were established. But they wanted that. And he says, now you're going to, any person, any person who's obviously, who's a light prophet, you're going to have him come along and he's going to prophesy to you what you want to hear. He's going to, as it says in the New Testament, itching, teachers having itching, they're having itching ears. They want teachers to teach them stuff that will tickle their ears, make them feel good. And they're going to get it. They got it. They'd be the prophet of that people. But it points out, as we see throughout here, it didn't end up being good for them. They wanted to continue their partying. They responded to these false prophets by telling them to preach like the other prophets do. Or the, I should say the true. I should say they responded to the true to the true prophets. These people saying, "Speak like others do. Don't be so harsh. Back off on the message." Preach to us what we want to hear. And they refused to allow anyone to speak. We see throughout here was point out their sin. They sought for rest. We see throughout here, and even um, if you remember when we were going through in chapter 1, there's several different cities. In those cities, he's kind of preaching in the, the name of the city, and it's a play on words. It's the exact opposite of what happens. Well, the same idea is going on here. They sought for rest. They wanted rest. They wanted their peace. They wanted, we're in the house of Jacob. We're all, we're just fine. We're Israelites. God, we're of God's children. He won't touch us. He won't judge us. They would not hear of the coming judgment. So both they and the false prophets were ultimately, they were casting themselves out of their own land. They became their own enemies. The men, it says in verse 8 and Nine, the men who lived as men who had the idea there in uh, verse eight. Even as late, of late, my people has risen up as enemy. You pull off the robe and the garment from them that pass by securely as men averse from war. These men were left from war. Maybe there's different whether debate whether it's maybe they were had left war and they had lots of spoils, or they were uh, didn't want to fight. They just were didn't like to fight. Whatever it was, they had they weren't in war, they were at a peacetime, they were living well, they had their nice robe. They had their on, robes of honor, their outer garments, and their undergarments, and they, they were wealthy at ease. Well, their honor, their outer robe, their it says their robe with the garment, they were taken away from them. They were shamed, ultimately. I mean, we all Nakedness is a shame. You see that idea coming out of here again. They got their garments and their other garments taken away, and they're ultimately shamed. They wanted glory, but they're shamed. These men who wanted ease and did not want to hear these uncomfortable messages because they're part of the people from the prophets of God were now shamed. They would not be shamed by their pointing out their sin and saying their sin is shameful, so instead, they were shamed in their sin. They, God laughs. We see elsewhere in the Bible where God laughs at the wicked. 
The, also, the women were cast out of their pleasant houses. These houses of uh, security and pleasant, as luxury, nice. So their place of security and luxury was taken away from them. Be why? Because they refused to take the heed, take heed to the warnings of the prophets. The prophets were preaching the word of God, and they refused to listen. Also, their children, we see in verse 9, from their children have you taken away my glory forever. These, now their children, they lost the glory God had given their land. God had given, and we can see that in America. We're not, it's not from the New Israel. People say that, that's not true. But God has blessed our land. God has greatly blessed our land. But if we don't speak out, The other children here, they won't get to see the glory that our nation is. And even though, I mean, when I was a kid, people were saying this nation's not what it used to be. Well, I'm, I can see it already, and I'm still really, really young. It's changed a lot in a few years. But these people, they refused to listen to the true prophets, and so they were not receiving shame themselves. Their children would not see that former glory of Israel. They lost that. It was no longer theirs. And those who shamed the prophets of God were now shamed themselves. And they had, I mean, we saw it before, they were laying their own bed. And they're falling therein. They had refused, they refused to listen to God's warnings. They wanted nice, soft, easy words. And they were now reaping the consequences. The prophets who saw as their enemy, they saw as their enemy. The prophets who were preaching the truth, they saw them as their enemy. And we sometimes do the same thing. We see the person who's actually trying to point out our sin. He's the enemy. But he's not. But these people who actually loved them, they saw them as the enemy. Because they were willing to stand against the grain and say, Thus saith the Lord, what you're doing is wrong. And God's coming as a judge. The men who they saw as their friends, these people right here, they saw as their friends who were telling them nice things, who were telling them, oh, you're okay. God, God's not going to judge you. He's, he's not going to judge you. You're the house of Israel. You know what? Those people, they thought they were their friends, actually their enemies. They were truly, actually, they looked like they loved them. But in fact, according to the Bible, which is the truth, they hated them. Their apparent love and kindness was actually hate. They became their enemies. And they, even, they only wanted the people to preach what was beneficial to them. They wanted that gospel of prosperity and peace. But these apparent friends, all they were was actually bringing judgment. The judgment they feared was going to still come. So throughout the sermon, Micah mocks also. We see um, Micah loves to mock. He loves these minor prophets. They love sarcasm. Um, they love to play out these play on words and poetry. And, um, but in, he mocks the people for their beliefs. They thought because they bore the name of Jacob that they would not be destroyed. As we saw in verse 7, O thou that are named the house of Jacob, 
Is the spirit of the Lord straightened? Well, of course, we all know the answer. Is it it's straightened? Is the idea is it shortened? Well, no. God's hand's not shortened. It's not like he's a short arm and he can't reach you. No, his hand of judgment is still, it doesn't matter who you are. You're not out of reach of God's judgment. They felt their name protected them from judgment, but alas, it did not. They thought their name would protect them, but it would not shorten the hand of the Almighty Judge. He would show no special allowance because they bore the name of the house of Jacob. He would show you no special allowance because you grew up in a Christian home or you were an American or... No. There's no special allowance because of your heritage. His... And the wicked doings, these things that were happening that were horrible, or, they were not from him. He's like, are these doings from me? No. The wicked things that were being done, he didn't do them. But he must judge. He must judge their wickedness. His words, as we see in verse 7, do not my words do good to him that walketh uprightly? He asks that question, like, don't, don't you know? Don't if you follow my word, doesn't it go well with you? And the people whined because of this preached judgment. And God answered. Them saying, would not I do good to you if you would but follow me? Right. If you just follow me, just, just obey. Amen. Of course, we know this. It's not going to be all easy in roses. And... <laughs> it's not going to be just all easy. But he says, do not my words do good to him that walketh uprightly. If you walk uprightly, follow what I, just to be obedient to me, you'll be good. I will take care of you. Micah mocks them again when he later tells the people, we see in verse 10, Arise ye and depart, for this is not your rest, because it is polluted. It shall destroy you, even with a sore destruction. Mocks them again. He tells the people to rise and depart. They were unwilling to listen to the prophets of God. They were refusing to do so, and to their strong desire for peace, and safety at any cost was to send them out of the land. So the result was God responded and said, okay, you won't rest at any cost. You're not going to get it. That idea was like when uh, Micah chapter 1 were those different cities, and he's saying one thing, and it's the opposite of what the name of the city means. The same idea is going on here. You won't rest? You're not going to get it. Get out of Israel. You're not going to get it. You saw rest? Well, rest was not in the way you saw it. And by refusing to heed the warnings of God's prophets, they had destroyed, or it says polluted, their land. Their land of rest and peace was now a polluted land of destruction. It was a land polluted by their sin, and as a result, it must be destroyed. That sin, because of their sin, there was a result. There was a punishment. And so they had, they were going to be destroyed. They had polluted their land, and now destruction would come. And they wanted teachers who would tickle their ears. They wanted prophets who would tell them that God was for them and that he wanted to yeah, prosper them financially. He wanted them to do well. I mean, it doesn't say financially. We see that idea and um, we, we see that idea even today I think in the passage. They ultimately wanted prophets who would speak easy things to them. And, uh, but ultimately, these prophets were speaking a lie. A lie wrapped in truth. God does want you to do well. God's not out to just crush you because he just, no, but he just 
God's not just looking for to, to drop the hammer and crush you at any, any time. We know that. God was supposed to be their God. He did want them to prosper, but not by a, but he couldn't allow their sin. In, in, Deuter in Deuteronomy, it talks about the cursings and blessings and following the law, of just being obedient to God. It's ultimately just following God's word. And they wanted to have that blessing in their own way. And he did not want them, or he wanted them to prosper, but he couldn't allow their sin. They first had to repent. And that's why he sent those prophets saying, repent. Thus saith the Lord, God's judgment is coming. He had sent messengers warning of destruction, but no messengers were coming anymore. He was finally coming as their judge. They assumed that they were living in a land of rest, but as we know, the source of rest is in God. The Bible says rest in the Lord. Rest is the truth place to find rest is by just casting ourselves before God and saying, God, whatever you say, I do. That's where true rest is found. So the people were forced to leave their land of rest because they had polluted it by their sin. And so, I mean, we're, we're in a similar situation today. We, in today's modern society, with all our conveniences, believe we're being blessed by God, which we are. We are blessed by God. But as other people have said, um, but actually in Israel's day, and as other people have said about other countries, and it seems to be we're starting to be very similar, is we are living as debtors. We're deep in debt. And the creditor's coming. He's coming to call our debt and saying, pay up. Or I'm gonna and we're not gonna you can't pay up. So he's going to take your car and no, if you don't pay your bills. They'll pay your debts. They're going to come and take everything you have. And then they'll pay off your debts. Well, that's the same idea. We in Israel and in America are we're living as debtors. God, the judge, might say the creditor is coming to call our debts. We can't pay them. We want only prophets who will speak the accepted mantra. Anyone who does not speak against homosexuality, the woke agenda, anything else, that you might say that is in the popular thing today, or someone else's sin, if you don't say nice words, you have hate speech and all that, you're told to shut up. Shut your mouth. Don't say that. You be nice. Don't speak out. Be kind. Be loving. Well, they don't know what true love is. This process of cancellation has led to many refusing to speak the truth because of their fear of man. We fear man, we, and we should not. This is not only a society-wide scale, but also in our small political influence, in our individual churches. I mean, if we don't, are not committed, and we'll get to that in a moment, um, to encouraging those who get up behind this pulpit to preach, thus saith the Lord, then uh, the children are not going to enjoy the blessing that God has blessed this church with. It's going to come to it's going to come to end if we do not continue having preachers, and thankfully we, uh, he's gone, so he, thankfully pastors does, does say uh, his goal is to preach does say the Lord at all costs. But we have to continue to encourage that. Many of the prophets of Micah's day were more concerned about being shamed than damning their people by not speaking the truth. They were concerned about speaking something that would hurt 
that ultimately they were the ones that were hurting their people by not looking them in the eye and saying, you're a sinner and God's going to judge you. They were ultimately hating their people. And so, he told them to leave. God told them to leave. His response was, if you don't want to listen to my prophets, and you won't rest in your own way, not in me, you can leave my land. This is not your land of rest. Because it's your land of rest if you will follow God. So there's several points Michael was attempting to get across to the people of Israel that we can apply to ourselves today. There are several things. Hopefully the explanation of what the passage is saying is clear. But if you know the truth first, speak out. Preach the truth regardless of the consequences. There is, and it's easy to say, sometimes it's easy to say it, but actually living it is hard to. But there's no neutral ground. Nothing in our society is neutral. All ideas, whether they're, any idea has a consequence. And God is, has a concern about all these ideas. He's not like, oh, I don't really compare to Christ. I'm not concerned with that. No, God has an opinion. His opinion is truth, but he has an opinion about everything. This is not just for pastors. Of course, prophets, it directly applies to pastors, but we all have our own spheres of influence. If you have political influence, um, speak out. More importantly, at work, speak up for truth. That includes not just their cultural ideals, but I was talking to somebody recently, and, and I'm, if you find out that Mormons sound so much like us, but they're nothing like us, and, but there's things that they try to act like they're like us, and looking for opportunities, asking the Lord for, to see places where you can speak out and say, no, we are not the same. Not, not arrogantly. Not, not out of pride and saying, I'm better than you, because that's sin. But saying, no, 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 you're wrong. The Bible says this, God is true, and the people you're listening to are liars and deceivers. So don't be that silent majority or the silent minority, right? There's that big thing about that. Just be the silent majority. Well, there's a reason others have gotten power, you might say. Because everyone has been the silent majority, have been quiet, and unwilling to step on people's toes. And yeah. Don't be brash, though, of course. The, the, the Bible, and we can look elsewhere in places, it's not saying that, we're not saying, the Bible is not very clear that you shouldn't just be an idiot about it, or, just, or be very brash in, your, in, your, in someone's face. But when opportunities arise to stand for truth, do so. There may be costs. There's a cost to everything. As you see in this passage, there is a cost for them not speaking up. There was. But they will be, the costs are much, much worse. And they're long-term costs. They're not short-temporary costs. They're long-term costs if we do not stand up. And for what's right. In our spheres of influence, not worrying about the big all the distance, but in our specific area where we can influence someone to speak out. Patrick Henry and his famous give me liberty or give me death speech said, peace, peace, but there is no peace. And so much more in that speech, if you know that's a famous speech. But um, there's no peace without standing for truth against those who hate it. We can, they can cry, the oh, others, we just want peace. Peace at any cost. 
that's what the idea here is to go in peace at any cost. Number two, if you're commissioned to speak the word of God, if you do not, you are working as an enemy of the people of God. So, if anyone, so anybody who gets the opportunity to stand up here and preach, including me, and I'm, of course, we all know this, I'm not a pastor, and of course, it's not a surprise to you, so, but that doesn't give me an excuse. Anybody who stands up to speak the word of God in any manner, if you do not speak the word of God as truth and stand up, thus save the Lord, whatever God says, I'll follow it, even if it means death. You are working as an enemy of the people that you are. You're an enemy of them. Don't say you love them. And this is that myself, is that anybody else. And you in the pew must call upon any who stand in the pulpit, anyone who stands up here, to speak boldly and biblically. And praise the Lord. I mentioned already, we do have a pastor who does stand strong in the culture at large. It's been, it's been exciting to learn under him. Not to lift him up, but I, I, I appreciate that. I, it's helped me grow to see this willingness to. The Bible's true, and I don't care what anybody else says. <coughs> well, you don't have to do that, right? <laughs> but we must support him, encourage him in that. It's hard. It's hard to every day knowing that, that thankfully, everyone in the church is, is supportive of him already. But continue doing that because I'm, it's hard to get up, I'm sure. I don't know by experience, but I'm sure it's going to be hard. It's hard for him to get up here if somebody is looking at him like, oh, sit down, be quiet. He's preaching at me. So all of us must expect only biblical preaching. That's what I hear. These people were preaching what people wanted to hear, the wine and the strong drink, rather than of the true prophets of God. They didn't want to hear that word, that God was the judge. They didn't want to hear that. So we must only expect from this pulpit biblical preaching. So we can look in the Berean. So that means test it. All of us must test it. And if it's true, follow it. I'll just go, amen. And all, we're all like, we're all, we're, we are all, we all do it. We're all wrong in that area. We'll say amen and then walk out the door and not really actually mean amen. Amen means let it be so, just you know. Um, so you and I must test it, follow, and encourage it. So encourage whoever is up here, just not that they need to be lifted up, but encourage being preaching boldly. That the Bible says this, and so therefore you must live according to it. And also the third point, we can, the third aspect of the lesson we can learn from this is. Your heritage or bloodline doesn't stop God from judging you. We saw that with Jacob. He said, O thou that art named the house of Jacob, is the spirit of the Lord straight? We don't know the answer. No. It's not. So no one stands beyond God's reach. Nobody in this, nobody in this room, nobody anywhere stands beyond God's reach. No guru. No pet sins that we when we say the pet sins term used, but no no pet sins, whether cultural sins or individual sins, nothing should be untouchable by the word of God. We must say that if, okay, these prophets they were supposed to preach, thus saith the Lord. But because people wanted the soft words that felt like they felt good, 
enemy destruction. So we must be saying, I'm going to follow God's word, even if that means there's going to be times I'm reading through my Bible or I'm hearing the word preached from the pulpit and it hurts and I don't want to do it. We all know we do. I've been there. Like, I know that's true, but I don't want to do it. That's going to make me feel uncomfortable. Well, every facet of our lives must be brought into conformity with God's word. It's, of course, not that the pastor should be a dictator. It's not in, in every aspect of your life and inside your house. And, like, of course, that's not what this means. But we should expect anyone who stands up here to preach to preach the Bible and apply it to every area of our lives. Not say, well, you're not allowed to touch that. That's the, that's the sacred cow. Don't touch that. So this does not matter if the subject in question is an American ideal or culturally accepted practice or if it applies to men or if it applies to women or children, young, old, if you're wealthy, if you're poor, if you have station, if you're someone who is some, I mean, as far as I know, I'm not here, uh, a politician, but it doesn't matter if you're a politician, a political cloud of some sort, some say, some way, or some sort of manifestation, it doesn't matter. You are still under God's word. You are still supposed to submit yourself to the authority of God in every aspect of your life. So align every part of your life with the word of God. Because ideas do have consequences. These people wanted to live according to the idea that, oh, God won't judge them. And that led to destruction. So all must align their lives with God's word. Don't think anything keeps their sin from being condemned. God's hand's not short. Also, number four, God's words are good words. And they good, do good to those who follow him. So we pointed that out already. Do not my words, in verse seven, do not my words do good to him that walk uprightly? It's a, it's a, uh, it's a, Rhetorical question, or whatever the term is, I'm forgetting the term. But it's it's a, do you know what I mean? It's fair. Sorry, that's not what I meant. But I still wouldn't. But do not. He's saying, do not my, do my words do good to him that walk upright. You you understand the? He's saying, of course, the answer is yes. Everybody knows the answer to that. Of course, his words do good to him that walk uprightly. So trust him. If you refuse to follow him, don't expect good. Don't expect that God's going to bless you because you're not following the, his word in any area of your life. His ways are not always fashionable, especially in this world. Um, we're probably all touched by some person or some, know somebody or are related to somebody who now has been affected by the culturally accepted things whether it's homosexuality or whatever. But God will judge them. Trust him. God's words do good to those who walk uprightly. They do. Don't expect blessing when you're doing things God says will bring cursing. God does want to bless you. But he can't bless you with sin in your life. Or you're thinking, I can live contrary to him, and he'll still take care of me. No. Be obedient. God 
God's ways are best. And also number five, we see this year also being truly for someone includes being willing to tell them when they're wrong. And that judgments will come if they continue in the way they're going. In Proverbs 27, 5 through 6, it says, Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. These prophets who walk in the spirit is in the, they walk the spirit is like the wind, but in falsehood you lie. These lying prophets. They told this gospel, this, I might say in term we use, but they, they told this message that you can keep your sin. You can enjoy your you can enjoy your life. You can eat, drink, and be merry. God's not gonna judge you. You're of Israel. But all they were, they were ultimately the kisses of an enemy. They were deceitful, and they destroyed them. Proverbs 28, 23 says, He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with a tent. And again, God said this. It's true. It may not always seem like it in the moment, but we have to be willing to say God's true in any area of our life. So we must be willing to go to our friend, go to those that are co-workers and say, no, judgment is coming. God will judge you. He is coming. To our friends, God will judge you. Just because you trusted Christ as Savior does not mean that all of a sudden you get to live how you want. Trust him. Go to him. Rebuke him. If you truly love him, if you're truly for him, you want him to do well, well, tell them, knock it off. And number six, and this is the main aspect, main crux of the passage, and says, beware of the prophets you ask for. You may just get them. The ideas they promote have consequences, whether good or ill. The people did not want prophets who would preach things that would make them blush or feel ashamed. They didn't want to take that shame, as it says in verse 6. They shall not prophesy to them, that they shall not take shame. They didn't want to be ashamed. The people were as those spoken of in 2 Timothy 4, when it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts, they shall heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their teeth their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Because of this desire for teachers, prophets, they would make them feel good in their sin. They wanted prophets who would tell them, hey, you get to enjoy your strong drink, your wine, you get to enjoy your relaxation, your, your partying. I mean, we all know strong drink and wine usually indicate someone's going to a party. Still, it's not a new thing today. Their enjoyment, their idea, the ease, the rest. You can enjoy your sin. God will judge you. Is what we want. Is what people want their prophets, their teachers to tell them. But because of this, they received those prophets. They wanted him. Well, they got him. 
Just like in Romans 1, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. They wanted that. They wanted their sin. God said, okay, here you go. It'll curse you. It, you'll, be, you'll, be in, you'll be miserable. You can have it. They wanted prophets who would preach of continued glory, that God would continue to bless Israel. Israel is God's people. We have the name of Jacob. God's hands, he won't touch us. And as a result, they received neither glory nor rest. They wanted glory and rest, and as a result, they got neither glory nor rest. They're shamed. They were shamed. They didn't want to be shamed, and they were shamed. They wanted rest, and they didn't receive rest. But they rather received shame and destruction. So beware of the prophets you asked for. In Hebrews 12, 11, we read, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, after it yielded the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. No chastening seems to be joyous. When God sends his prophets and has someone get up in the pulpit and uh, preach, thus saith the Lord, or even now, we all have our own, we have the Bible to our, we can read for ourselves, and we're reading something that says, when we see something, that oh, I need to change. It may be something very, very simple. But God's ways are best. And when he points things out, it may hurt. But change. It's not fun right now. But if you don't, the consequences are, they're horrible. God will judge you. They said a sore destruction. It wasn't just, oh, he's going to, you're going to get a little slap on the wrist. God is coming as that judge. As it says earlier in Michael, when he starts out, he's coming down to tread upon the high places, to just crush them, to wipe them out. Because there's only, as we said at the beginning, and this whole idea in Micah, is there still, there's only one, there's only room for one high place. God's the only one who gets that high place. He's the only one who is God. There's no other gods. So when he comes to you and says, you're wrong, Okay, that hurt. Yeah, I hurt. Okay. But you're right. God's word is always true. God's ways are always best. Always. Even when they seem like they're not. Even when it hurts. His ways are best. So if you know prophets, and there's no prophets in here, who foretell, right? They, they, but the idea of a modern prophet is someone who gets up and preaches the God. So, we had no people that knew him, and, and we thankfully, not to lift him up, but pass him, and thankfully he does, his goal is to preach the word of God. Encourage him in that, but listen. Listen to him. Not to him because he is only words, but when he or anyone else gets up here with the word of God, listen to the prophets who preach the word of God. Heed the warnings. Because if you do not, the consequences are dire. So, in closing, just remember, beware of the prophets you ask for. Because you may just get them. God's prophets are true prophets. Their words come to pass. 
false prophets, they don't. And the Bible gives us ways we know that, but just remember that. Beware of the prophets you ask for. Uh, 